After making a big move at the deadline, the Gators still fell short this week, suffered a devastating loss to the Wildcats, and Gators fans, I feel for you. And on top of that, your captain didn't really play, so a lot of questions to be answered in this week's episode. But this is the Pipe It Up Podcast. Cue the intro. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in once again. As always, we are joined by my host, Jack Agner. Ladies and gentlemen, round of applause for him. And Jack, uh, like I said, Gators fans, Gators players, Gators organization, it was a bummer. You know, it wasn't like it was a blowout series this past week against the Wildcats, but they just they couldn't find ways to win. And uh, what did you see? First opinions. Yeah, well, I will say that the Gators definitely fought hard. Um, they were in every game, really. And, uh, you know, a lot of them came down to the wire. Just a couple outs, a couple hits. Um, I thought my boy Chadwick looked pretty good. I think, unfortunately for him, he's probably the first player in MLW history to be eliminated from the playoffs twice in one season. That's got to be That's got to be a stat, right? That's, yeah, I mean, in theory, you could say that because the last series he played in with the Magic, yes, they were fighting we were for survival eliminated. and yes. fell short and eliminated. And then, so yes, I feel Chadwick for him. Was, I do feel for him, too. I but feel like for you said, I was, uh, I was impressed. He played pretty well, I thought. He looked confident. He looked comfortable. Um, he even saw himself getting a little bit of playing time at the leadoff spot in the lineup. And uh, he hit well. I believe in the first two games of the series, he was a combined 5 for 11, I believe. And then he went 0 for 5 in game 3. But. Give credit to Chadwick and the Gators for at least fighting, right? They showed yeah. a lot more fight than the Magic did against the Wildcats the year the week previously. 100%, yeah. Also a stat, Jack, would be that the Wildcats eliminated two teams from the playoffs back-to-back. <laughs> they eliminated, there we go. eliminated the Magic, crushed their dreams, and then eliminated the Gators the very next week. It's always, yeah, it's a tough draw for Jason having to play the Wildcats two times in a row, but I think just the major difference, and you kind of hinted at it um, in the in the post-series conference there, um, it was just the defense for the Wildcats that that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. A lot of balls were put in play from from both teams, yeah, uh, no, but, the, but the Gators, the Gators just weren't making as many plays in the field, um, and the Wildcats were stepping up big time. I mean, Kyle had a great play uh, two great plays actually at home plate in the series one where he literally threw it while he was sitting on the ground um, got out cheat him and there were you know that that play where he flips it to sailor in in game three sailor tags third I mean mm-hmm. that's like you know that's championship winning defense right there and the Gators although they were putting ball a lot of balls in play um, the Wildcats kind of just matched that with their outstanding defense. And I think the Gators uh, were probably still working through some, you know, uh, defensive communication at times um, and just weren't necessarily clicking on all those those different plays that we've seen make a huge difference. You know, the the Diamondbacks are we've we've talked about it a lot with the Diamondbacks, their their defense. They take a lot of pride in it mm-hmm. and uh, it shows and, you know, it it makes huge differences in series and i think that was the major difference in this one that really could have been the difference i mean all these games were decided by one run it was tight and like you said there was a couple plays a couple things that the gators could have done better on the base paths combined with the wildcats making the plays that were just like unbelievable Mm -hmm. like that play at third base i mean talk about clutch like that changed the whole game it reminded me a lot of Kyle and I talk about a lot how the play that Baranowski made against the Wildcats. Um, there was a play like he blocked the ball, 
got the force out at third by himself and it like ch- it like won them the game basically that was the same thing there for the wildcats like 100 making a play that usually is not made in like a dramatic fashion too with sailor with the one-handed grab bang bang unbelievable it was unbelievable unbelievable and the wildcats are definitely i think a top two defense in the league i'd, I'd still put the d-backs at number one probably just because of how good shima is over there at, on the left side of the infield mm-hmm. but the wildcats are just they're right there you know they're right there and this this group this is the second year this group's been playing together right so they're starting to mesh more you can see it everything's starting to come together for this team right now um this is a brand new squad you know you you rewind back to 2018 when the wildcats won the world series um you know they rebuilt completely right Mm -hmm. and it's funny i'm saying the word rebuild because they've been in the world series the last two years right (laughs) they fell short to the gators in 2020 and they fell short to the d-backs in 2021 but like it, it really is a new wildcats team right they drafted sailor in 2020 Pearson last year. Now they have Ty Smith, who didn't play in this series, but I still think is a great player. So it's that's actually exciting. But anyway, it's impressive what they built. And then yeah, that play at the plate you mentioned, um, that that's one that Chris Cheatham probably would want back, right? He doesn't need to run in that situation. No one's forcing him forward. Um, he probably should have held up there at second and third. But at the same time, that play that Kyle made, like that's not getting made by most teams, no. right? That's not getting no. made by most teams. So you got to just tip your cap at some point to Kyle, who was just clutch all day defensively. Yeah, he was making great plays in that shortstop position. Um, it's great to see your leader step up like that, um, where Kyle's, you know, I would say in years past in MLW, he's been known to be the ace on the Wildcats team for sure. Um, but he's always made great plays in the field. And he showed that ability, obviously, once again in this series. But I think if you're a Wildcats fan, what you should be happiest about from this series is the form of Jackson Pearson. I feel like he uh, is really stepping up. He's getting a lot more confidence at the plate. And, uh, you know, I think Sailor ended up, he did end up getting a home run Mm -hmm. at one point in the series. But it was a shot to right field. He did hit a shot to right field. But to me, watching the video, it didn't seem like he was having his best day at the plate. And Jackson kind of filled that void. He stepped up. He hit two big bombs, um, one in game three that kind of was able to, you know, give him the edge over the Gators. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you're, you know, a Wildcats fan, that that's something that you should be able to hang your hat on is uh, is the form of Jackson Pearson and how he's coming along. Yeah, 100%. I think up until this point, I would agree with you, like not just this series against the Gators, but kind of the season as a whole. Sailor hasn't shown quite the consistency and power that he did last year. He's still a great hitter, mm-hmm. but in 2021, he was incredible. This year, he's been solid. But like you said, Jackson Pearson and his improvement from last year to this year has been not like drastically, like it's not crazy different, but it's been enough to where like, do you agree with this, Jack? I think the Wildcats have the best power hitting lineup in the entire league. Yes. They have a power threat, a serious power threat. Not like, oh, he can hit a home run. Like, a legitimate power threat at all three spots in their batting order. Yes. Can you say that about any other team right now in the league? I mean, I look at my team, the Mallards. Like, Jordan and I have been the power hitters. We have not seen power out of our third slot. Um, the Magic haven't shown a lot of power as a squad. The Eagles have been kind of, like, like I said, inconsistent. But there has been power throughout the lineup. But consistently seeing home run production from the entire lineup the wildcats are the only team in that tier right now in my opinion yes i agree and and we've kind of talked before i believe about this but you know those guys they can hit for power but they're also smart hitters right i know and and they'll they'll draw a lot of walks and when you have that type of power in your lineup 
you know, the solo shots won't necessarily kill a team. That you, you that won't necessarily be the difference in the game when some when a couple guys hit some solo home runs, mm-hmm. but when you give up two walks in an inning and then Jackson steps up, you know, and hits a bomb, that's that three run shot is is what is really the dagger. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, the, yeah, the solo home runs are great, but walks, in my opinion, in MLW are is is what is going to lose you games. Um, so when you combine their, their, the power of all three of them, Mm -hmm. um, as well as the smarts that they have, it's, it's scary. It's a scary batting order to, to try to go through it and try to try to face as a pitcher. And that's, what's made them so good for so long is just, is that patience and that, and their brains, how high their ball IQ is and their baseball IQ is. But at the same time, like on the opposite side of the ball, that's what they're good at. They limit the walks. Sailor and Kyle both rarely walk batters. Right. So it's like it plays to their favor both sides, and their defense is good too. So, and even when they do walk, there were a couple jams that both of them were in, um, Kyle especially, and he was able to get out of it um, in multiple games because um, he just has that experience to kind of buckle down, mm-hmm. you know, settle in and get out of a jam, and and that's what wins you wiffle ball games. Mm-hmm. No, Jack. Yeah, you mentioned it. You hit it right on the head. And I think my main takeaways that I wanted to share today about the Wildcats is this, because honestly. Well, it's a bummer for the Gators, and I think I think their record of three and twelve shows a lot worse than they actually were this year. But this is exactly what made the Wildcats so good this year, finishing ten and five, is their ability to win the close games. Yes, this team has been so good for so long, and Kyle Schultz has played in so many big games, so many clutch moments, and they just deliver. Outside of the last two World Series, like, and even then they went to five games last year. Like, they're just a team that knows how to win, and that's so important. You see that in the NFL, like teams that can't close a game or in the MLB where the bullpen can't finish. Like the Wildcats are so good at finding ways to win. Those series, all three of those games could have went either way, all three of them. And the Wildcats managed to win every single one. It's that clutch pitch. It's that clutch hit. And it's not just Kyle doing it. It's all three of them at any time. Yep. So that's what makes this team a force to me. That's why they're probably going to be the one seed in the American League. And that's why they're poised to make another run in the postseason. It's just their ability to win the big games. They're so such a calm team. Yes. They show the emotion, but they're just so poised at all times to to play well. Yeah. Along those same lines, the, the word that came to my mind was just consistency. Mm-hmm. I feel like they are the most consistent team year in and year out in MLW. You know, you always know what you're going to get from the Wildcats. You're going to get smart batters that can hit the long ball, and you're going to get pitchers that avoid walks Mm -hmm. you know and that's a great recipe for success um and like you said they've they've been in the positions before where they now have the experience in those close games and they know how to close out games um so for you know teams like teams like the cobras right like they've had a great regular season Mm -hmm. um but who's to say what happens when you know push comes to shove and they get in the playoffs right like the wildcats feel comfortable there Mm-hmm. Um, the the Cobras maybe not so much. So you know it'll be interesting to see. But I think that I would I would put the Wildcats as the most consistent team in MLW, in my opinion. No, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, they, even this year, like we consider they had like a rocky start, and they were four and five. Like right. <laughs> that's that's how high our standard is for this team. It's kind of crazy to think about, but that's how high the standards are for the Wildcats, and that's the team and the franchise that Kyle has developed. But transitioning into the Gators, um, we're going to have Zerlag join us in just a minute to uh, share his thoughts on this series and his thoughts on the trade, too. We never heard from him. But I think the story of the series, Jack, is why did Brendan Zerlag not play? 
it's not like he wasn't at the Meadows. He was there. You probably saw in the B-roll that Zerlag was at the field. He played. Or I shouldn't say he played. He was there and ready to play. The Gators roster that day was Zerlag, Cheatham, Chadwick, Jorgensen, and even Reese Harris was there. So it was a full squad for them. But why Zerlag did not play, who has, in my opinion, been their most consistent contact hitter of the entire season, blows my mind. Coming into that series, he was only hitting around 200 but we've seen him time and time again getting robbed. I, I think it's been a theme of this season is they're like putting the ball in play and, and not getting results for it. But I just couldn't believe that he didn't play himself. I respect it a lot, right? As a manager, I respect it a ton. There's been situations where, you know, I like pulled myself out of a game like pitching or even like in the lineup to try to get my other guys more reps. Not so much this year, but in the past when I wasn't as um, consistent at the plate. So I respect the move a lot. And I don't like, um, I'm not criticizing him for like, setting himself and being humble. I'm criticizing him more so like, I don't think that him being in the lineup would have hurt the Gators. I, th- In my opinion, I thought it would have helped them. So I'm curious as to know what was going through his head when he made those decisions. Were you also surprised by this? I saw some comments too, wondering why he didn't play. I was very surprised. Um, I didn't happen to see him in the B-roll in the beginning. So when I was watching this, I, I think I literally wrote down in my notes like, was he even there at the Meadows? He was there. Um, but then, yeah, I, I saw you know a little flash of him. And um, I'm really interested to see what he will say. To me, um, like you said, uh, I respect it because it's, it's not an easy decision to make. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably what he will say is that um, he didn't want to bat four people um and and his and and probably you know after they traded for chadwick obviously if he decides we're batting a three-man lineup then the guy getting kicked out is either him or jorgensen Mm -hmm. so i'm sure he'll have some reasoning as to why he put in jorgensen um over himself but it'll be interesting um yeah i agree with you like zerlag has definitely transformed as a hitter over the past two seasons and um, he's kind of he's kind of been the rock for the Gators, really, mm-hmm. at the plate. At least that's what it seems like watching the videos. Um, so I'm interested to see what he's got to say. Yeah, it's also important to that to know that he's a lefty, right? Which I know like doesn't really mean a whole lot, but to me in wiffle ball, particularly, where in such a tough sport to locate your pitches and to find that arm slot and that kind of stuff, just seeing a left-handed hitter can sometimes throw a pitcher off, right? Just like with their spots and whatnot. I know for me, at least, it didn't really used to be a factor, but 100% like now in times when I'm struggling, like going from a right-handed hitter to a left-handed hitter can throw off your rhythm, your confidence, all that kind of stuff. So it can lead to, you know, guys getting on base more often, but we'll get him on the phone right now and see what he has to say. All right, we've tracked him down, folks. Busy man, college boy, Brendan Zerlag. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Zerlag, I want to know, what's your first impressions of being a Spartan? It's been a few weeks now. What do you think? You know, being a Spartan, it's a it's a good feeling. Uh, <laughs> I miss it. Pretty bad loss in Washington this past weekend. Yeah, that's right. It was kind of a rough weekend, but as you can tell, it doesn't uh, it doesn't affect me as much as it used to. But I'm more excited that the Lions won. To be honest, that was that was big for me. But okay, so Jack and I were already talking about the series a little bit, and um, the people want to know. We want to know, man. Why did you decide to sit yourself out and not start yourself in either of those three games? Uh, you know, it was a decision. I mean, Kristen, Georgie actually didn't really have any influence on it. It was kind of just uh, I wanted to make myself. You know, I figured that, you know, bringing Chadwick in, those three, all guys from Trenton, they have great chemistry. 
And I figured, you know, we need to make, we had to get, get a couple wins, you know, if we want to make it past, make it to the playoffs, which obviously that's the goal. And then you go from there. So, you know, I was thinking those three together, you know, I mean, Cheatham's been, I mean, you have to start him no matter what. Jorgensen, he's been coming to life a little more, like, throughout the series. And then Chadwick, I mean, that's what I traded for. And I think getting all three of those guys' uh, plate appearances was the biggest thing, and I don't want to take it away from any of that. Yeah, fair enough. From watching the video as a fan, I I feel like you got to be pretty happy with what Jason did production-wise at the plate. Um, I think maybe the the defensive communication will come with more practice, but would you agree that you were, you were pretty happy with what you saw out of the kid? Yeah, no, obviously, disregarding the outcome of the series, you know, I mean, tough, tough sweep. I mean, that's a, re- that's a really good team, but no, I wasn't that mad at all. You know, I think we performed well, and I think it's definitely like foreshadowing what's to come. I mean, all, all four of us get on really get along really well, plus we have Reese Harris we can bring in. Um, you know, I definitely think there's a lot of potential there, and I, I really can't wait to see what we do. I like the optimism, and and Jack and I were already saying we, we respected you, um, you know, not playing yourself, and it sounds like you were, you know, banking on the chemistry of the group and those three guys from Trenton. But was it hard just sitting sidelined, you know, watching the series go on without playing? It definitely was hard because I know, I mean, even when we won the World Series, is me, Georgie, and Chris. You know, that's the team that won it all. So I mean, you'd think that I mean we can get there again, just us three. But uh, sitting myself, I mean, obviously, I haven't had the most productive year. Uh, I had a couple of good series, but, I mean, it, it was definitely hard to just sit and watch. But I think it's what needed to happen. I gave you some credit, though, because you have, in your defense, you've been getting kind of robbed. You've put the ball in play, like, honestly, possibly the most consistently out of anybody on your team. But I do agree, you know, the results have not been there this year. But I, I, I can even think of plays in Oklahoma where you get, you hit a ball probably 100 feet to center field, but it didn't go over. It was caught. We're at the Meadows. That'd be for sure be gone. You know, would have been a game-winning homer. So I feel for you, and I respect the decision. But um, moving back to the trade now and what you saw this this uh, this past weekend. So do you think that Chadwick is going to be, you know, kind of the leadoff hitter moving forward? Or is it kind of a touch-and-go situation? Yeah, that's definitely what I'm seeing. You know, uh, I talked with Chris and Jorgensen before he made this trade, and obviously they were all for it. You know, we tried to get it a little bit before, but, like, I mean, what's, what was going on in the league, it just, it just couldn't happen at the time because, like, so much movement already. Mm-hmm. So, I, with our order, I think going into next season, it's going to be that lefty-righty, lefty-righty combo or maybe lefty-righty-righty, lefty. But I love Chowick. I mean, he can put the ball in play. He's always there for the home run. But, I mean, I think he's definitely more of a contact hitter at this point in the league now. So, I like him leading off. And then you got Chris with the big stick behind him, who's always capable of hitting a no-doubter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that combo's scary. I feel like I, Cheatham is home run capable at every single at bat. I kind of agree with you. I think Jason came into the league really as a power hitter, but um, he's changed some things and become more of just that contact, just kind of smacking it to to left field and getting to first base. And then, yeah, having Cheatham bat him home is. Uh, I think that's a great option for you guys. Yeah, then a lot, a lot with what we saw towards the more of the end of the season when Jury was coming more alive. I mean, he just smacks the ball, and with the speed he's got, you really just have to put him in play at that point. And, I mean, it's almost a single every every time. Yeah, I, I definitely think the potential is there for the Gators. The, the tools are there. Um, it's really just about executing. And I wanted to talk about that because um, and we, t- we heard from Jory about this and how like the draft can be hit or miss, all that kind of stuff. And we have seen some players who have – you know, become less talented and less of a weapon over the years. And we've seen some guys improve a lot. Um, I think of Ryan Cratch as a guy who's really changed his game over the past past year. 
So with the Gators and with you guys investing in the current talent that you have and banking on that chemistry, you know, what steps do you think can be taken to try to right the ship next year, given that the roster is not going to look much different as to what it does right now? Yeah, and that was one of the things we were kind of uh, deciding on let's going through as a straight because, you know, obviously we've seen a lot of talent come through with these new drafts. Uh, I mean, even Jim from what he's become from when he was first drafted. Then you have Dallas Allen, mm-hmm. Trey Flynn, three guys that are just like becoming so much better than what you saw even when like you were planning on drafting them. But I think the one thing is now that all four of us, I mean, we have four guys that have been in the league for, what, three years now. I think it's going to come down to experience. And like you said about Ryan, just adapting to like the new players in the, in the league and like how some they're becoming so much better and like they're all becoming better hitters and throwing more pitches. And I think it, then it just comes down to solely who can practice the most and become like the best, most versatile player. Do you kind of see uh, Chadwick fitting into your bullpen or playing a big part uh, on the mound for you guys? Or right now, are you really just kind of looking at him as a hitter? Because we didn't see him on the mound in, in this series. Yeah, we. that's also something we talked about. Uh, obviously, he just came off playing the Wildcats. But uh, we weren't planning on even pitching him at all that uh, whole series just because of like him playing the Wildcats and like they've seen him before. But, I mean, we were – zoned in on Chris like I mean he's the one who's got who's got us there before we were planning on riding him out as long as we could and I mean I'm I'm not happy with the results just because we lost but like at the same time it's obviously not his fault he pitched fine but uh no I definitely see Chadwick coming a pitcher and the hope is next year we'll have four good arms like even if I start practicing dang ooh possibly some Zerlag in the works possibly here? some southpaw action on the game some southpaw not many lefties in the league right now there's not. There's definitely not. And it's really like you would have the the advantage of no one's ever really seen you throw before, besides when you threw the slider back in uh, 2019, your first year. The Gators have come a long way, if you think about it. It's honestly, it, it's because of the recency bias, Jack, like we talk about. Right now, when I think of the Gators, I think of you know the guys from Trenton who are not performing at the best right now, but they've been good in the past. But the Gators went from the worst team in the league to having the best record in the league and winning the league to now sitting in a place, finishing last place in the National League with, uh, I'd say, an optimistic future ahead. What do you think? I, w- I would say optimistic. I mean, I think the the difference between the two teams at the bottom right now in MLW, right, are, you, you know, just based on record-wise, um, the Gators, I feel like, are in a much better position right now than the Magic are in terms of, like, future success. Like, the Magic have a a lot more pieces to go in order to get there. Like Brendan kind of talked about, they still have the core three on their team that actually won them a World Series not that long ago. Um, so mm-hmm. they know that they can do it. I think that I don't think that their record was very um, representative of the caliber of team that you guys are this year. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to you guys' this season next year. This is a this is a very similar situation to what we saw with the Preds in um in twenty twenty one moving into twenty two right everyone kind of counted them out they didn't draft you know a big name or someone with wiffle ball experience and that kind of stuff and me included um I was you know very down in the Preds I had them ranked kind of last in my power rankings coming into the season but all it takes is that one one or two guys to step up right Ryan just showed how you can evolve and change your game and you know get back to the player you once were. So if a few of these guys in the Gators can do the same thing, I don't see why there can't be a drastic improvement. Whereas the Magic, yeah, you're right. You probably need to add some pieces as well. Whereas the Gators is just like internal development. Yeah, it's kind of those two different avenues, right? And uh, 
we kind of we kind of discussed that with with Chadwick and Jorgensen on the last one. Um, I don't think either one you could for sure say is a is a proven way for success. I think they both can work if done correctly. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the Magic you know stack up against the Gators next year. Zerlag, like, I, I gotta ask too because I think. It was heard, me mentioning this was heard in the video, but there wasn't a lot of explanation behind it. And I don't even know if there is an explanation for it, but um, I mentioned how they were in white. The Gators were in white because their backs were against the wall. How, how did the whole backs against the wall whites thing start? How did that become the go-to jersey for the big series? That was, uh, that was a Chris Cheatham thing that started. <laughs> Which, I mean, there's a lot of goofy things that come from that kid. Absolutely. But uh, I guess what he found out was that like we won every single series with the white jerseys on. And that's why he was so disappointed that we couldn't wear them in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. From obviously that didn't matter because we got swept anyways. And then well, maybe it did matter. Maybe that's why you got swept. <laughs> maybe. And uh, then we wore them in that series against the Wildcats with our backs on the wall. And I mean, we played really solid wiffle ball. I can't like be mad with how we played. It just, like I said, wasn't the result we wanted. Yeah, yeah. I, you, it, it wasn't very. It was not a lopsided sweep. When the Wildcats swept the Magic, that was a lopsided sweep. This sweep was not right. a lopsided one. Uh, Jack, Relax. I'm just no, calling how I see it. Same what I see. I'm just kidding. It's totally right. You guys fought hard. Um, it was a very, very close series, and that's kind of just echoing my point of, you know, I don't think that your guys' record this year was um, very representative of, you know, your team as a whole. The Magic, based on the stats, the record, you know, kind of makes sense. For the Gators, I don't think so, so much. But we'll see what happens next year. Another thing going with that is, I mean, people might not remember because it was so long ago, but we were literally one pitch away from winning the opening series against the Preds. I mean, it was a 0-2 count on uh, Russell, and he hit a home run. So that was, mm-hmm. that's what the whole series. Yeah, I think um, the Gators just you, you guys need, just need to get better at um, you know finding ways to win ball games. I I want to say that in Oklahoma we had well they all one run games, right? The first one was not. The first one was not, and the next two were one run games, and then. This series was the same way, a lot of run one run games. So it's just doing the little things right and executing in the big spots, I think. But I don't want to dwell on it too much, Zerlag. I know you're already in off season mode for you. You and the Gators are chilling. You're watching the postseason from the couch along with Mr. Agner here. So uh enjoy some popcorn for me, boys, while I'm while I'm fighting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've been there. It's the first year in a while I well, I won't be on the couch myself. First year for me, so Yeah. Isn't that wild, Jack? You've missed the postseason yeah. less than I have. It's a bummer. Bummer. That's how it goes, man. He shrugs. He shrugs it off. <laughs> but all right, Joe, like I know you're a busy man. We'll let you get back to your to your day up in East Lansing. And I'm I'm jealous of you just so you know. But uh thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. Go green. Go white. Let's go. Love it. Q Q Q Q of the day. I have been getting some Q of the days sent to me on Instagram. I really appreciate those of you who have uh, who have been sending those and sharing them. Um, keep doing that. Keep hitting up, pipe it up, MLW, uh, or you can just send it directly to me or Tommy. That's fine. Um, but this question came from Kevin Huford, and uh, this is a question he had. So with the Gators getting Chadwick in the trade um, with the Magic, would it be beneficial to for the Gators to use a different pitcher each inning. They now have three average slash above average pitchers on their team. 
I would think using a different pitcher each inning would make it tough on the opposing team and each game they could change the order of pitchers making it tough to lock in especially since they all throw differently or is this not allowed my goodness that's a, a strategy I've never really even thought of before, but we also haven't seen a team with this deep of a right. A so, so what I will say is, and my my rules official here, Tommy, will correct me if I'm wrong, but in the regular season, uh, one pitcher can pitch six innings, not counting extras, in one series. That's the maximum amount they can pitch. That is correct. Um, so, in theory, what you're saying, Kevin would be allowed um i would say that um in theory it sounds like a good idea uh and maybe tommy would have a comment on this but since i'm not really much of a pitcher i'm sure you guys have have figured <laughs> that out at this duck point hook, though we know the duck yeah. hook is nasty yeah that, the duck hook will be back but um <laughs> i hope so um i think in my opinion that takes a certain sort of a pitcher you know you you get into like a flow in the game Mm -hmm. right um and if you're constantly changing in and out in and out you know we use different balls in game three than we do in games one and two so like you kind of got to get used to the ball too um i just feel like this would be a little bit too much chaos for the gators although i really like the idea um but what do you think tommy I think I mostly agree with you, Jack. Um, I think it's a little much to try to do that, but like in theory, it could like be deadly, right? Like if you yeah. actually had three guys who <laughs> like could, a three-headed monster, it could like, it could in theory be like it could be game-changing. But I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it's realistic for the, kind of like the exact reasons you said. Um, just getting comfortable on the mound that day, getting your your body loose and getting in the zone and starting to you know hum a bit on the mound very difficult to find any sort of rhythm when you're only facing three hitters assuming you go one two three mm-hmm. um yes as a as a team batting it would probably be frustrating to see a different arm every inning um but at the same time you'd probably be like okay be patient here make him throw strikes like he just got off the bench again like it right. would be very difficult to be able to command the zone consistently when you're getting into the game getting your body loose and then exiting the game and then doing that again three times in one day you know what i mean right and there's also yeah there's also the aspect to think about like kind of the game within a game you know mm-hmm. when you're facing the same pitcher multiple times right um because as you pick up on their tendencies good mm-hmm. pitchers will use that against you exactly. kind of yes you see you know what i mean so they will use um what you think that you know about it's a them. chess match out there boys it's a chess match it's you know we're playing chess not checkers out there mm-hmm. not me personally because i can't <laughs> even throw a i can't even throw a slider in there but um i know that these guys are doing it because they do it to me while i'm batting yep so that's another thing too is if you're constantly changing the pitchers out um you just have way less feel as a pitcher and i feel like they wouldn't be confident enough to successfully you know throw strikes and get strikeouts but yeah i kind of i like the idea though I, I like the idea, and I will. I want to end it on this. Um, still, it's been years of this league, and this is like our third or fourth year now, maybe third year, enforcing the six-inning limit for a number two arm in the regular season. We still have not seen anyone execute the starter and closer scenario, where like a guy starts the game, throws two innings, and then a closer comes in for the third inning. We still have not seen that successfully, really even given a shot, let alone executed correctly. 
So I, I do think that there could be a market for that in this league. I think there could be some success seen in MLW if a team were to use a starter and a closer. Um, we typically just see a guy start the game and try to go the entire way and only come out of the game if he's you know getting knocked around a bit. But I think the closer situation could still happen. I've said that on this pod many times, but no one's doing it. And I think I think, I think yeah. a lot of the reason no one's doing it is for the same reason you said, Jack. Like once you're on the mound, mm-hmm. the risk of exiting the game when you're throwing a gem after only two innings is like, is it really worth like, oh, we're gonna throw in a closer now? Like you just gotta have some faith in your starter to get the last three outs at that point. But um, I don't know. I still think it could happen at some point, but we just haven't seen it yet. I think the only way it would work is if you had a closing pitcher that was not only um physically a good performer but just had insane mental fortitude because Mm -hmm. as the closer coming out there in a three inning game that's a lot of pressure um for someone to just come off the bench and try to close out a game Mm -hmm. um so they would have to be very mentally tough and i also think it would have to be something that was um agreed upon like before the game like it couldn't it i don't think it could be like a reactionary thing um, yeah, I totally as a manager agree. where you just kind of throw your your guy out there <laughs> it, it needs to be like all right game one you know if we're up after two innings like you're going in mm-hmm. um so then you know that player can kind of like get the physical and mental reps they need to to be prepared for that series i think that's probably the only way uh it would really be successful but i feel like you know things are changing every year in mlw so you know, maybe we'll see it next year. Maybe we'll see it in the playoffs. Who knows? Well said, Jack. Well said. But, but thank you. Thank you again for that uh, question, Kevin. And guys, continue to uh, send in questions if you have them. Jack, I feel like you have you and I haven't really uh, caught up much in these last few pods. They've been so action-packed between the trades and the chaotic series and everything. But how you doing? How you been? Doing well. Um, it's been, yeah, it's basically been full steam ahead. We've had a lot really going has on been. in MLW. Haven't had a lot of time to talk about other stuff, but um, I mean, how about them Lions? I know. We did We did need to address the NFL, right? We're, Come on. Because we, we recorded last week's podcast prior to week one, right? It was Sunday right. morning, and now we're this is post week two. We're saying we're recording this one. So we've seen a lot of football now. Some great football. I'm, not, I'm like I couldn't be some exciting. I couldn't football. be it's happier with, with how exciting the NFL has been so far. Especially, I swear, the one o'clock time slots both weekends have been so exciting. I've been on my couch with the Lions game on the TV, a red zone stream on my laptop, just like enjoying life. It's been so yes. great. So happy it's back. Happy the Lions got a W. We'll take one and one all day. We'll take one and one. Um, yeah. But how about you, Tom? How you been? Um, pretty good. Like I said, I'm excited. The football's been awesome. Um, best time of the year. My fantasy team's 0-2, and, and I don't see us getting many wins this year, but that's fine. I'm already <laughs> over that. Um, it's a rebuild year for the, for the underdogs, but um, I will say I did something kind of, uh, <laughs> something out of my comfort zone this weekend, something a little bit out of the norm. Um, Jack, as a fellow Detroiter, I'm sure you're familiar with this person, but for the rest of the people listening, maybe not so much, but uh, are you familiar with Kid Rock, Jack? Oh, yeah. The Detroit legend. Legend. Well, as you know, Jack, you probably don't see me as a typical Kid Rock fan. And for those listening, um, Kid Rock was popular, I believe, in like the late 90s, early 2000s. And um, I don't even know what to categorize the music as. It's like it's like rap slash evolved into classic rock slash like punk rap. I don't know. It's not my <laughs> cup of tea at all. 
and it's definitely explicit music, so I do not recommend listening to that if you are not mature enough. Um, but anyway, he he's from Detroit, and he had a concert this past weekend, and my friends thought it'd be funny if we all went, and I was like, I'll go. Like, I'll go just to hang out. I'm not really into the music, mm-hmm. but I think it'd be a funny crowd, like, fun, like, people watching slash interacting type situation, and, like, that's what my, me and my friends like to do. So, Jack, I'm about to text you a picture <laughs> okay. of what we looked like, and I'll have to post this on Instagram. Um, at least I'm gonna. I don't want to expose all my friends and all their outfits, but I'll post a picture of myself and my face because this may have been the funniest. Like I've never really looked at myself in the mirror and just like burst out laughing. But I'm not kidding you. When I got changed for this concert and walked into the bathroom, I nearly cried laughing. I thought I looked so funny, and sometimes nothing better oh, than laughing at yourself. It. You're gonna die. <laughs> I look so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think I pulled it off. I think I pulled it off. What do you think? Dude, oh, we got Swamp Man in here too. Oh, yeah, Swamp Man. Look at this face. This is the face of a man who drives a Harley. um, This is eats a steak dinner every night. Has a family. Oh, the jorts. The jorts. The jorts. I wish the jorts were longer, like below the knee jorts, like you see from my friend Andrew here. But I didn't have the total outfit cost me $13. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't want to buy another pair of jeans just to cut longer. But so what I'm looking f- at here, I think we're going to post this. We got to post this. But what I'm looking at here. I'll definitely post this. Is a picture of Tommy in uh, jorts, a a black, I guess, tank top thing. He's wearing a gold chain and then a black do-rag and then <laughs> sunglasses where you know you'd wear, you'd put these sunglasses on and then your neck the next like sentence out of your mouth would just be speed kills that's you, what you, you put, would say you put these shades on then you undo the kickstand on your Harley Davidson and and exactly. go for a ride yes. they were uh, at the gas station I bought them at the Meyer gas station right before the concert same thing with the shirt <laughs> i got the shirt salvation army and the bandana i had but man, Jack, I looked You're in that mirror a budget. and I was like, I cannot believe I'm about to go out in public like this. But this is the best part, in my opinion. When we go out there and we park our car and we're, we're tailgating before the concert, there wasn't a single person there. First of all, we were the youngest people there by far. No one else was like sub really? 40. No, we were by far the youngest people. And no one was like, you guys look hilarious. Or, you guys look awesome. It was just, we just blended. I just blended right into the rest of the crowd, which I thought was so funny. I'm like, I am dressed Perfect. so ridiculously right now. And I have not received a comment from one person about how stupid I look. Andrew, Andrew looks like he, he looks like he bought those jorts from like bigger and taller. Those jeans he's, he's are got, size he's got 40 like- waist. Not joking. <laughs> 40. You could have fit two people in those things. Oh my gosh. But all That's I want to say picture. is, guys, that sometimes it's fun to just do something stupid, right? It's fun to just go out there, yeah. make fun of yourself, have fun, not care what people think. And that's exactly what we did. We all got dressed up together and we showed up. And, you know, I guess I wasn't really Tom that evening. I just had a little alter ego going. I was calling myself uh, Ricky and <laughs> we had a great time. It was so funny. And it's still, every time I open this picture, I just laugh. Like, I can't help but laughing. It looks so funny. But I will have to swallow my pride and post a picture of my face here because you guys are going to die laughing. I'll post it on Wednesday. I won't, I won't make you content. wait more than today. You can't, you can't take yourself so seriously you all the time. Like, and like the other thing, I liked what you said where it's like, there's probably things that you don't think you would like or wouldn't want to do, but 
you won't know until you really just go and do it, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you stepped out of your comfort zone a little bit, went to a, a concert that probably wasn't your demographic. Not at all. And you, like you said, you blended right in. You crushed it and you probably had a great time. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> I crushed it. <laughs> you did. Oh great performance. Gosh. I mean, the outfit says enough. I agree. That that was definitely my favorite part of the entire show was just like getting dressed up. Like I didn't really enjoy the concert so much, but I mean, just like the the moment of me dressing up, looking in the mirror, and then seeing my friends was worth the price of admission. <laughs> Jack's laughing his butt off. Look at this photo. <laughs> Imagine you see that guy at the Kid Rock concert. You think, man, he's a big Kid Rock fan, right? Oh, I I feel like you looking at this picture. This is probably like the twelfth concert you've gone to this year. Well, funny enough, this is horrible to say because obviously there's a there's a demographic for it and there's a fan base for it. But when I was sitting there listening to this, like I cannot believe there's fifteen thousand people here who enjoy this music. He's like, this is my thirty ninth time selling out Pine Knob, <laughs> and I was like, oh wow. my gosh, that is impressive. Obviously, yeah. if it was his hometown of the. If he wasn't in his hometown, that probably wouldn't be the case. But still. 39 sellout crowds of 15k that is unbelievable i've heard i've heard of some kid rock some kid rock stands there that, are some great kid rock songs crazy. Like born free picture yeah. with Cheryl crow those are great songs but some of the songs man don't listen to them if you're under 18 <laughs> <laughs> that is 18 plus if you're not over 18 please do not google kid rock music or i will feel guilty for exposing you to things you don't need to be hearing on the record that's on the record, yes. That is on the record. But man, I just I, I don't do that kind of stuff often. I don't go to concerts, especially not people I don't like, but it was it was just funny. And it was just funny to dress up as someone who's totally not me. Like you would have never recognized me in that crowd in a million years. No way. But gosh, so so funny, Jack. No regrets at all. We'll do it again in That's a heartbeat. Hilarious. Good for you, Tom. Good for you. Well done. You ever uh you ever done anything quite like that to, to this magnitude? No, definitely not. I don't think so. <laughs> Jack's like, Jack's like don't, who would do this? I need, but like, I you're inspiring me now. Like, I might go to like a, I don't even know, what what concert should I go to well, that I don't belong at? Megadeth is going to the same place oh. in October, Jack. We could we could get even more crazy than this. We can dress up in all leather. Oh yeah. Oh, I would I would actually love that. We maybe we just need to make it a pipe it up mandatory. <laughs> Mandatory field Man- trip, business mandatory trip. field trip. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's enough for me for the year. I can't, I can't do that and get and risk getting seen. If someone would have spotted me, I don't know if I would have been embarrassed or if I just would have laughed it off. But no, once again, no one did. I was totally blended no with the crowd. I mean, I was. You would have never known in a million years it was me. Not a chance. All right, enough nonsense about my personal life. Um, Jack, we still have some more with ball to play this year. Prior to the postseason, there is now three series left. That's it. Isn't that crazy? Three series left before the playoffs. We're about a month away from postseason wiffle ball, folks. Less than a month. That's crazy, actually. Where, where did the summer go? Where did I don't the summer know. go? It's flying by, man. But um, it's gone, the, really. The next series is an important one and an exciting one. It's the uh, the mini MLB series that we played in Essex, Vermont. So, those of you who are unaware, you know, you'll see the video, of course, and we'll talk all about it next week's podcast. But um, it was the Diamondbacks versus the Cobras. We traveled to Vermont to play at this um, organization's property that has three MLB slash professional replica wiffle ball fields. And this is the order we did it on. We played game one on the mini Field of Dreams, similar to the Field of Dreams movie. 
We played game two on Little Wrigley Field, and we played game three on Little Fenway Park. So it was unbelievable. You guys will see all kinds of photos. You'll see the video, of course, this Friday. Um, and the situation there is that the for the Diamondbacks, this series is technically meaningless, right? They have the three seed locked up. The Gators can no longer pass them. Even if they were to sweep the Cobras, it doesn't matter. They're still the three seed in the National League. So they're going to be playing mm-hmm. in the NLDS versus either the Eagles or the Mallards. Now for the Cobras, though, with the Wildcats sweeping the Gators and the Cobras are sitting at eight and four, um, if they were to win two or three games, they guarantee themselves um, the one seed in the American League. If they only get one win and finish the season nine and six, then it'll be either the Wildcats or the Predators. But two wins would guarantee them a tiebreaker with the Wildcats and or the Predators. And they have both of those series victories because they swept the Preds and they beat the Cats two out of three. So two wins for the Cobes would be huge and would get them their first American League championship, I believe, ever in the regular season. Wow. Lot, lot of so stage. Is I set. didn't know that. The stage yeah. is set. Yeah, the stage is definitely set. Um, I think that the Cobras should probably be really happy now that the Gators got eliminated because, um, I mean, I'm sure Jimmy, he's a competitive guy and he's mm-hmm. probably going to want to go out there and win. Um, but you got to like your chances if you're a Cobras fan with the Diamondbacks yeah, not really playing for a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, wow, that's that's. It was like a double-edged sword for the Wildcats, right? Because, yes, they wanted to win three games to get themselves 10 wins to put themselves in the best position record-wise to win the national to win the American League. But also sweeping the Gators was bad for them to keep the D-backs competitive against the Cobras. So I wonder right. if the Cats would have only won two games and the Cobras only need one win. I don't know. It's it's a hard, like I said, it was a double-edged sword. I never thought about that till just now. Yeah, wow. I didn't think about that either. But I think that, I mean, even though the Diamondbacks don't have a lot to play for, I think Jim just hates losing enough where he'll want to win. You know, maybe he'll get some more guys involved like Trey uh, or, you know, Casey Bennett or something. See Mm -hmm. some more of those guys. But um, that's going to be a pretty crazy series. I'm looking forward to that video a lot. I love the videos that we do something a little bit different where it's not always like at the Meadows. I think I'm probably most looking forward to the Field of Dream ones just because I think that's such a cool mm-hmm. field. Um, I can't wait to see the mini version of that. Yeah, it was, like I said, I don't want to spoil too much. Yeah. Um, next week's podcast will be all about every little nuance of that series, but um, it was special. It was, you know, the first, it's fun to do something for the first time, right? Like Oklahoma was cool to put our little spin on year two, but doing something for the first time is always nerve wracking, but exciting. And it's mostly just nerve wracking during the time there. The edit can be more fun. So um, we got some exciting stuff. We got some interviews lined up, some great gameplay, and it should just be all around a, uh, a great video. So I'm excited for it to drop and hopefully perform well. It's incentive for me to turn the magic around so we can actually get involved in one of these cool videos because we're, never, well, we're Jack, never a choice. I do think that the magic are now the last team to not have played in some sort of like non-ordinary series. I think that's official. And you now. wonder why we don't get the views. You wonder why. Well, Jack, I think you put your franchise in a better position to win games and to compete, and you'd be invited <laughs> to these kind of things. Let's see. Let's let's, let's take it All back right, to last fair year. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oklahoma series, Wildcats, Eagles. There's two teams. Um, this year, Toledo game, Wildcats, Preds. There's three teams now total that have been played somewhere else. Oklahoma series, Gators, Mallards. That's five teams. And then the Vermont series, D-backs, Cobras. Seven teams. So seven of the eight teams have now traveled, leaving the lonely magic stuck in Brighton, Michigan, playing at the Meadows. But there could be worse places to be stuck at, Jack. 
Yeah, they're cut. I'll I'll ride it. I'll ride and die at the Meadows. That's fine. Well, you know who's first That's in fine. line next year, Jack, to travel to a to a cool series, Metro Magic. Woohoo! So let's go, Can't Magic wait. fans. Hang in there. There better times <laughs> are ahead. Better times are ahead, Jack. That's true. That's true. I mean, they can't get much worse. They really couldn't get much worse this year. Well, that's probably also true, but yeah. let's focus on the positive. Better times are yeah, ahead. Yeah, we are right? looking at the positive. Better times <laughs> ahead. But All right, folks, that's going to wrap up this episode. Appreciate you tuning in, and thank you to Jack and Zerlag for joining us. Until next time, this is the Pipe It Up Podcast. All right, I got a little, my stomach's churning right now. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs>